0: We've got an amazing lineup for you today. We've got questions on the Byzantine Rite, Anglican Ordinariate, we've got Catholic moms hating on Lenten decorations, and what has Charles been hiding from us about the Vatican Secret Archives? Welcome to another episode of Off the Menu, now being broadcast and podcast on the Crusade Channel. Talk radio the way it should be at crusadechannel.com. I'm Vincent Frankini from Tumblr House here with a septuagesimal, Charles Coulomb. Septuagesimal?
1: You mean redolent of the season of septuagesima? Of yeah. Mardi Gras? Of Carnival? Oh, yeah. dun 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 You mean the last gasp of frivolity and fun before Lent? Is that what we're talking
0: that's exactly what we're talking about,
1: coming down out of Christmas and sliding into Mardi Gras. is that it? oh yeah all right yeah i i'm 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 behind that hundred percent plus today you'll be excited to know today is a very special day being in real time the fourth of February,
0: okay, what day is that?
1: Well, of course, it's St. Andrew Corsini, St. Jean Valois, and a lot of other saints today, St. Gilbert of Sempringham, But it is the United Nations International Day of Human Solidarity. Wow. Yes, this is a day for human beings all over this great planet of ours to join together as one family in building a culture of peace.
0: I, I say wow because I'm so embarrassed that I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> where, <laughs>
1: Aren't we all?
0: <laughs> where's your Where's your United Nations pin, Charles? You're so reliable with the pin. We're missing the pin.
1: You know what? You're right. right. Hold on. Okay. Don't go there we anywhere. Go. There we go. I'll be right back. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you get to witness this in the comfort of your own home My u n see it
0: yeah it's yep. still, yeah
1: ah, see
0: hold it back a little hold up your your camera's tripping out um there we go, a little bit back, so okay, I can see that yeah, yeah,
1: so. I'm gonna put on my UN lapel pin, purchased, I'll have you know, at the UN gift shop in New York City. Wow! So just nice. before going into the meditation room, and staring at the block of granite, which uh, Dag Hammarskjöld got there. Well, now I feel I feel this rush of uh, solidarity with all the peoples of the world across this great planet of ours.
0: Yeah, feels great.
1: It does, doesn't it? I, it feels all—I don't know—sort of early '60s, like yep. 1962. I, I, I feel like trick-or-treating for UNICEF and listening to Telstar, protein, all, i thinking thinking the the Mercury and Gemini projects projects NASA. NASA And the World's Fair in 63. and All of these things are coming together in me for, uh, you know, a marvelous uh, kind of hopefulness for the future. With a man like Kennedy in the White House, with Jackie at his side, I mean, what's not to like? The Beach Boys are playing their music. Be true to your school, just like you would to your girl. Be true to your school now. Let your colors fly. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's my little goose coop. You don't know what I got. There's a moon out tonight. Hushabye, hushabye, uh, hushabye, hushabye. Oh my darling, don't you cry. Guardian angels up above, take me to the one I love. Yes, the early '60s. This is what I'm talking about. When I was a, a literally a babe in arms. What? You you you're just staring off in the distance like I've gone crazy.
0: A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Well, don't do
1: that. Get into the spirit of the thing. Doesn't doesn't the sign of the United Nations fill you with hope for a better tomorrow? Sure. A tomorrow that <laughs> all of us can share. Sure. Oh, that shows uh, let once more with feeling.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, are, we are talking <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was actually, the, the inspiration for that was actually Bill Murray and Ed Wood. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh,
1: well, you see, and the sad thing is, by the early 60s, uh, Ed Wood and the gang had kind of passed their prime. Yeah. You know, shot the bolt, as it were. Yeah. Which is a sad, sad story. Poor Ed Wood. Not all Hollywood stories turn out happily, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to tell you this. But would you believe that Brian Wilson is still going strong at 80-something?
0: The The lead singer, the Beach Boys? Yep.
1: Wow. He's got a Letterman's jacket.
0: Uh, yeah. They've got
1: in foot, the football and track. Uh-huh. And when he drives in other parts of town, he's got a decal on back. It's true. It's true. And Friday night, he's going to be doing football, and his girlfriend's going to be hitting the
0: pom-poms.
1: Ra ra sis, boom, ba.
0: Okay. You're a little, little suspect right now. You're a little suspect. I feel like you're, you're diving into some sort of esoteric Beach Boy song and, and slipping in some lyrics unbeknownst to me. Oh God, only knows where I'd be without you. Okay, that was not. That was not.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm I, I'm not posting now, so don't put me down. But I've got the set of wheels.
0: Oh, I mean, just.
1: It's my little do scoop. You don't know what I've got. Oh,
0: just help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. <laughs> oh.
1: Well, <laughs> help you get her out of your head. <laughs> uh. Well, all right, fine. You know, everybody's saying that there's nobody meaner than little old lady from Argentina. That's Jan and Dean. That's not fair. All right.
0: Um, what would you think of
1: going to, to What would you think of going to a concert in 1963? The uh, two bands performing: the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean, and Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello are sitting up front.
0: I don't even know who Jan and Dean are. Um, you don't remember Jan and Dean? Frankie Avalon. Is that um, the the singer of the Four Seasons? No. Uh, no, that was Frankie Valli.
1: Oh, Frankie, Frankie Valley. Frankie
0: Avalon, he did sing Venus in blue
1: jeans, Mona Lisa with a ponytail. But he also was in all the surfing films with Annette Funicello, like... Uh, Ride the wild surf and how to stuff a wild bikini and beach blanket bingo and beach party and things like that. Although not Doctor Goldfoot of the Bikini Machine, I don't think he was in that. I could be wrong. I'd have to look it up. There were all the, the surf genre. You know, you had the movies, you had the Beach Boys, you had Jan and Dean doing things like Surfing Safari, and uh, well, one of my personal favorites and a very much a local. L.A. thing from before we came out to the big nowhere. Uh, dead Man's Curve, which was an ode to a part of Sunset Boulevard uh, that, well, it sh- like this. Mm-hmm. And so you, um, a lot of people ended up dead there. Uh, let me see. Hmm. The uh, Dead Man's Curve, it's, it's, um, I found myself singing it one night when I was with my brother and his three best friends. Two of them were now deceased. But uh, the, um, the Jan and Dean were the guys that made it popular. And yeah, I was cruising in my Stingray late one night when an XKE pulled up on the right and rolled down the window off of a shiny new jag and challenged me then and there to a drag. I said, you're on, buddy. My mill's running fine. Let's come off the line now at Sunset and Vine. But I'll throw you one better if you've got the nerve. Let's race all the way to Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve. It's no place to play. Dead Man's Curve. You best keep away. Dead Man's Curve, I can hear him say, won't come back from Dead Man's Curve. The street was deserted late Friday night. We were bugging each other while we set out the light. We both popped the clutch when the light turned green. You should have heard the whine from my screaming machine. I flew past La Brea, Schwab's, and Crescent Heights, and all the Jag could see were my six taillights. He passed me at Doheny. Then I started to swerve, but I pulled her out, and there I was at Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve, it's no place to play, Dead Man's Curve. And then he goes into a recitative where he says, well, the last thing I remember, Doc, I started to swerve. And then I saw the jag slide into the curve. I know I'll never forget that horrible sight. I guess I found it for myself that everyone was right. Won't come back from Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve. You're not impressed by that?
0: No, I, I'm. While I'm enjoying your singing, uh, I was also researching um, sort of the location and the look of Dead Man's Curve um, in on Sunset Boulevard. I guess, um, I guess there are apparently several Dead Man's Curves uh, across the nation, but uh,
1: this was on Sunset. I think they've actually straightened it out since then, so it's mm-hmm. not quite the horror it was.
0: Yeah, I think that's what they're saying. Um.
1: But you know what's funny? We have a a friend in common. In fact, the uh, legend has it, the man who inspired the character of Roderick Roundhead in, uh, uh, in the Father Baptist series. Yes. And said individual during the 60s was around then. I mean, he, that's his era the early sixties, you know, he was a Jan and Dean surfer type. And I have to tell you that one of the most amusing experiences of my life was driving him. he's still a fast driver. Even today, he says, he always insists on driving for going anywhere. Cause he says, I drive like an old woman, but we were flying down sunset Boulevard in his Jag and he was playing very loud, dead man's curve. And I felt like I'd gone back to his past, which is beyond my past. Wow! And since you know the man in question, you you can imagine what an odd, what an odd thing that it, was. It,
0: it, yeah. Well, to me, he's very quiet, very devout, very humble, and, and a holy man. So I, I I don't even I can't even imagine what you're saying. Um, well, so. this
1: this was about twelve years ago, so you know. Wow. <laughs> okay. But it was it was quite an experience. I mean, knowing that that was his era. And he was really getting into it. He drives like a like a absolute maniac. Well,
0: yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have
1: said that. Except he does drive like a maniac, very very fast. Of course, he says I drive like an old woman. So the truth is probably somewhere in between.
0: That's funny. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to do, to do a gratuitous plug uh, of so the reference that Charles made, Roderick Roundhead. Is He's one of these epic characters in the Father Baptist series by William L. Biersack. Um, Sort of the uh, fiction books that we published, sort of the um, why Tumblr House exists in the first place, uh, was to publish these books. But Roderick Roundhead is a figure, basically, where he's sort of this super rich, behind-the-scenes puppet master of the traditionalist world. You know, because it's like these people, you know, they're sort of when you have that much money, you just kind of have to hot in your traditionalist. You kind of have to hide. Right. You kind of have to not be seen. But then but you're still making moves. You know what I mean? So that's that's who, true. That's what uh, the Rob, uh, Roderick Roundhead figure. Um, pretty cool guy. Uh,
1: and of course, he, he is the heir to the Roundhead manhole cover fortune.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Remember the Hotel Adirondack, the house that <laughs> the house that metal covers built. That's the location of one of the books, ladies and gentlemen. The fabulous Hotel Adirondack.
0: Yes. Um, all right. You don't want to miss out on that, would you? No, absolutely not. So, um, if you get the first two books, you're going to get free shipping and handling because. In our bookstore, f- free shipping on or- orders over $30. Can you believe that, Charles?
1: And if you got two of them, if you got two of them, and that's, to- but wait, there's more. Get three
0: of them and you'll save even more money. The more you spend, the more you save at tumblerhouse.com. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There we go. That's the best reasoning I've heard all year. That felt good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Operators are standing by, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Limited time offer. Be a- <laughs> Sorry, no CEDs. CODs and void were prohibited. No assembly required. <laughs> Some assembly but required. Anyway. You're butchering like everything. Wow, we're really rusty on this. Okay.
1: It's yeah, we've got to we've got to do our we've got to do our our sales pitches more, but I will say, ladies and gentlemen, that something else is coming up. I think this week, and you know what that is?
0: No, I I don't know what that is actually.
1: How soon we forget? It's Lincoln's birthday.
0: I thought he got February twelfth. No, why? Because he was a slave owner. <laughs> i don't know i mean yeah, well, it doesn't need to be that are. extreme <laughs> nowadays does it you could be he got canceled because he lives in the 19th century and abided by things
1: <laughs> <laughs> you live in the 19th century cancel it obviously the only people worth paying attention to are the woke who live now even dead woke like if you had the the head of the sierra club pop over like now Cancelled as soon as he hit, his corpse hits the floor. <laughs> Part of the ruling class, ship him out. They burn his body and scatter the uh, ashes at the crossroads. Actually, though, that, that really does, I have to admit, a couple of years ago when the morons were really going after uh, everybody's founders. I mean, the morons of their own groups, like the Sarah Club, like the, um, oh gosh, what's the other bunch? The Sierra Club, the not the Audubon Society, uh, the other one. Uh, gosh, I can't think of it. Anyway, it was another one of these natural groups. They were attacking uh, their founder as a racist and, and this and that. You know what? Quit the group. Yeah. Or abolish it and give the assets to uh, the deserving poor. Or blow your brains out. There's always that possibility too.
0: Whoa. What's let's, let's dial it down. Dial it down. We're well, no, not I'm not advocating. saying there's anything
1: wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I I, I don't want to get in the way. Look, if someone advocates euthanasia for others, he should be willing to do it himself, don't you think? That's true. Yeah, no, uh, so no, but seriously. Uh, what is the, the Sierra Club, the Audubon Society? What
0: is the third one? The Wilderness Society, is it? John Muir Society or something? Um, I don't John know. John Muir founded something.
1: John Muir was one of the guys who was getting canceled. Really? I thought Loot he like started it all.
0: I thought he started the yeah, whole know. California I wilderness know. thing.
1: He did. He did indeed. And uh, But he's been attacked for uh, racism. Hold on. Let me – I mean, you'd be amazed at who's getting it. Okay, John Muir, evil racist. Let's see. Uh,
0: blah, 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 blah. Yeah, th- this is going way
1: too Oh, slow. yeah, here we go. In 2020, in the light of the movement to remove Confederate monuments across the country, Michael Brune, the executive director of the Sierra Club, wrote a controversial editorial accusing Muir of racist thoughts and announced that the club would shift toward investing in racial justice work and determine which of its monuments need to be renamed or removed. Uh, I think Michael Brune uh, needs to be um, removed. Oh. Aaron Mayer, who in 2015 became the first black president of the Sierra Club board, stated the contents and framing of Muir and Bruin's post, quote, are a misrepresentation. Mayer went on to state that Michael Brune quote, did not consult him or the other two black board members before pushing ahead on what he called a revisionist and ahistorical account of uh, Muir's writings and, uh, and thought. The thoughts in life. You know, it, bloody typical these white morons. Just stupid, stupid people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a moron. People make choices in life, and I respect and honor those choices.
0: Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I feel like that that whole movement is sort of imploding. Um, I had sent you well, a. Uh, I sent you that that link to that Bill Maher monologue where he's like destroying it, where you know stuff where like the American Medical Association he's criticizing where they're not even putting the sex on the birth certificate anymore. Yeah, like yeah. Well, I mean, this is science, right? And you guys are saying like science is no. like you're following no. science. No. Yeah, I, I it, it's, it's,
1: we're, we're, we're cancelling science.
0: <laughs> we're
1: cancelling. No, so... no, we don't do that anymore. We're just stupid. So let me see. Louis Agassiz, the great naturalist. Uh, accusations of racism against Agassiz have prompted the renaming of landmark schoolhouses and other institutions, which are bound in Massachusetts, that bear his name. Opinions about those moves are often mixed, given his extensive scientific legacy in other areas, and uncertainty about his actual racial beliefs. (laughs) We don't know what he said. We don't know, but we're going to do it anyway. Let's see. William Hornaday. Just just that
0: sentence is so try-hard. Uncertainty about his racial beliefs. We don't know what they were, so we should cancel them. I I just... I mean, okay. (laughs)
1: Let's see. (laughs) William Hornaday. Racism (laughs) at the zoo. (laughs) Okay. He was the director. uh, So Hornaday was uh, was attacked. uh, Despite... Everything he did, the Day has been attacked as a racist. Oh, I can see why. He wrote a book called The Lying Lure of Bolshevism. Well, that'd be enough to do him in, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I can't look at it anymore.
0: I like that your blood's up, though. That's a good, you know... It's like some calisthenics, right? For the rest of the show. So, um, so well, I guess so. So, let, let's take it up a notch, right? Let's take this work, this workout up a notch. Um, so I don't really, like um, <laughs> I don't really watch the news, but I get like the headlines, but I just still also don't dive into it. So, let's, I'm gonna go to, to you for a news headline that everyone's talking about. Um, Kind of a fun one. Tell me about the Chinese spy balloon. What's going on there? You
1: know, I don't know anything about it except (laughs) that it exists. The Chinese spy balloon.
0: It it just seems so absurd that I actually didn't even believe it. Like there's this balloon that's floating over the United States that's like labeled like Chinese spy balloon that nobody can do anything about it. Well, no. Somebody get a rifle or something. We've shipped all
1: our weapons to Ukraine. I mean, you know, we don't have anything.
0: I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's just so satirical that, but this is our reality. Like, well, yeah, they're, they're they've got this balloon. They're collecting all this intelligence, and it's just floating over the United States. We're just letting it. Just letting it do its <laughs> <Boom>. thing. <laughs> you no,
1: know, well, as you say, I mean, you would think that they'd be able to shoot it down. But <laughs> I guess, you know, right now the Air Force is busy pushing for gay rights, and I think they're they're too busy right now. The you know they're they're too.
0: I I tell you what, uh, I tell you what, if if they flew that balloon over Texas, that thing's getting <laughs> shot down. That thing.
1: Well, it's going. It's it's heading in the southeasterly direction, so it's going to go into Dixie. I th- and I doubt. I don't yeah. think it'll survive the Confederacy.
0: I saw on Twitter. I think it might have gotten shot down. It was over Myrtle Beach. I don't know if they're waiting for it to go over oh. the ocean for some reason or something. I don't know. <laughs> Myrtle
1: Myrtle Beach, the the Redneck Riviera.
0: Oh, well, maybe <laughs> that that's it. Shoot <laughs> that
1: sucker <second> down. <laughs> that boy's going to shoot that sucker down. Boom. <laughs>
0: Oh man,
1: China would love. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to China with love. Y'all
0: be listening in, bam! (laughs) Take that. Hope you can hear it. But you know, news, the headlines sometimes are so crazy. I mean, I see Chinese spy ballooning. I actually didn't even. Th- I thought it was like a hoax or a joke or a meme or something, but then I, I came and I talked to my mom, and my mom is all worked up over it. So that's the only reason why I how I discovered it was a real actual thing.
1: <laughs> like honestly, it's... I only found about out about it on Twitter.
0: Yeah. So
1: the fact that I'm getting my news about garbage from Twitter doesn't speak well for me, but. Yeah. At the same time, something down to earth has been happening. While the uh, military are unable to shoot down the spy spy uh, balloon, they are pulling the Confederate monument out of Arlington National Cemetery.
0: Oh, good, good.
1: So you see, they are capable of doing something. Isn't that nice? And you know, given Lincoln's views on national reconciliation, Uh, It's horrific they're doing this around his birthday. It really is.
0: We are now being broadcast and podcast on the Crusade Channel. Talk Radio the way it should be at crusadechannel.com.
1: Speaking of which, though, if you are in Southern California, and you are, and you're anywhere near Redlands, which you're not at the moment, but if you were, there is a shrine to Lincoln in Redlands.
0: Uh, Okay, cool. All right. I'm there no, from time. the
1: library and the yeah. museum. Well, visit the Lincoln Shrine in beautiful Redlands, California.
0: All right. Also the Tartan Room. Yeah. They have a good, great a university. Restaurant.
1: So you go to the Um Yeah. But, yeah. but you could hit the Tartan Room for, you know, refreshments and then stagger over to the shrine. Or if the project has been put on hold. It should be inspiring. Saint Joseph's Shrine in Detroit, Michigan. You know how Detroit is. A lot of it has been, a lot of the houses have been knocked down. And yet you have got huge stretches of empty land where people once lived. So they were, apparently the project's been abandoned, but we were asked some time ago about the possibility of recolonizing by Catholic families of uh, urban areas. Well, they were going to build a village around St. Joseph's Shrine in Detroit. But apparently, that project's been put indefinitely on hold. However, it is something to think about if you live uh, or you're connected to a parish in a somewhat devastated urban landscape. You might consider the idea of bringing in colonists from outside and building a sort of local village.
0: Wow. You can buy
1: property in Detroit for real cheap.
0: That's a perfect segue. Uh, we hadn't discussed this in our in our prep, but I was reading um, the Great Good Place. Yeah. by Ray Oldenburg. I'm. Oh, uh, it's such a good book. Yeah, it's you're. It's one of those books where you're reading through it and you're screaming yes. Um, and it's really good. I just started it. Um, but I had that thought because he's he's talking about the way. Um, civic life is structured honestly and I had these thoughts I was like can't we restructure it um, but I want to read some quotes to you guys um, so, thank you whoever had a question submitted a question on this book um, just really got me diving down uh, the rabbit hole in this one um, alright so I'm going to read a, pass- a couple passages uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it um uh, Like all residential city blocks, observed one student of the American condition, the suburb is, quote, merely a base from which the individual reaches out to the scattered components of social existence, end quote. Though proclaimed as offering the best of both rural life, uh, rural and urban life, the automobile suburb had the effect of fragmenting the individual's world. As one observer wrote, Quote, a man works in one place, sleeps in another, shops somewhere else, finds pleasure or companionship where he can, and cares about none of those places. End quote. The typical suburban home is easy to leave behind as its occupants move to another. What people cherish most in them can be taken along in the move. There are no sad farewells at the local taverns or the corner store, because there are no local taverns or corner stores. Indeed, there is often more encouragement to leave a given subdivision than to stay in it, for neither the homes nor the neighborhoods are equipped to see families or individuals through the cycle of life. Each is designed for families of particular sizes, incomes, and ages. There is little sense of place and even less opportunity to put down roots. Wow. Um, so, I mean, to me, I never it thought, very true. I mean, obviously, you know, it's unsatisfying on some level. He kind of goes into, um, the suburbs a little bit, uh, more, um, where sort of, let's see here. I'm going to read another one. Um... Dolores Hayden supplies part of the answer when she observes that Americans have substituted the vision of the ideal home for that of the ideal city. Isn't that interesting? The purchase of the even larger home on the even larger lot in the even more lifeless neighborhood is not so much a matter of joining community as retreating from it. Encouraged by a continuing decline in the civilities and amenities of the public or shared environment, people invest more hopes in their private acreage. They proceed as though a house can substitute for a community if only it is spacious enough, entertaining enough, comfortable enough, splendid enough, and suitably isolated from that common horde that politicians still refer to as, quote, our fellow Americans. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting, though? Like, I I don't know. He's talking about phenomenons and framing them in such a way, which I feel is true and never even have thought about it in that way before. What do you think about that, Charles, that we've substituted the chasing after the uh, ideal city for the ideal home? I feel like there's something to that, right? I think there's
1: a lot of truth to it. I mean, certainly, well, I mean, look, notice how in, in just taking suburbs, we'll take Arcadia and Monrovia. You notice how both the, this, the town fathers of both do their best to try to lure people out with parades and, and, and things. Hmm. It's not really that organic. People don't come out naturally. They've got to be lured
0: out. Then that's what he talks about, right?
1: Yeah. And mind you, to be fair, those two towns do a good job of luring people out. Yeah. Uh, When you consider the different festivals they have and the parades and all that. So they do a fairly good job. But uh, once upon a time, those things happened organically and were not done by the city or the chamber of commerce. They were done by locals just doing them. Now, granted, they'd probably have to get licenses and permits at a fee. But the initiative didn't come from City Hall or the Chamber of Commerce. The initiative came from people getting together. But people don't get together in places like that.
0: Well, you know, he he goes on to talk. I mean, he makes great points how, you know, even if you wanted to be actively social on your block with your neighbors. That's hard, right? And and it diminishes with distance, you know? I mean, and as he says, what are the odds that you're going to share the common interest with the guy next to you, to your right or to your left on the block? It's not very good. You know, you're probably going to have to maybe find one, maybe 10 doors down or something like that, right? But then what are the chances of that happening? And then he he kind of they're not of... that big. Yeah,
1: they're not that big, and the the whole the whole thing about the block party that used to be such a big part of American life. I mean, you still have them in some places, but they're few and far between. Yeah, because to have a block party, you've got to have a street where everybody knows each other.
0: Yeah, and the the last thing I'll say uh, about this is. Unfortunately, the author has a very Eurocentric vision, it seems. Um, no, but but he <laughs> – no, sorry. I, I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. Um, but no, he, he makes a good point. There's something deeper in behavior that's very different, and that's a hurdle, which is just we don't – Americans don't go to, like, stop by a local pub anymore, local – this gathering spot just oh uh, the workday ends i'm just going to stop by get a get a little drink say hi to the local dentist banker blah 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 you know like that 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 behavior doesn't actually happen uh as it does cheers. in europe apparently right cheers yeah cheers closed yeah. the bar basically basically yeah
1: and that you know it's kind of sad about that it's funny here in this little town of Trumal, we have the fabulous cafe Vest where I usually take my lunches and they have the same cast of characters every day, you know, who always come in and then it, and it changes. If you go later in the day, there are different people, you know, they're like different shifts of people who come in. And since I usually go in for lunch, I know the lunch crowd. Yeah same people every day pretty much and it's it's pleasant you know uh similarly this time of year there's a thing they've got in austria and elsewhere in central europe called the Heuriger. and Heuriger are basically private family-owned bars that spring up when they have wine to sell usually Mm. their own and they serve food uh and you know that they're in business when they've got what's called a hurricanbushen, which is a sort of wreath with lights and so on. Uh, that is the signal that the place is open. Mm. Uh, you know, usually it'll be open like three weeks or something, uh, a year. Yeah. Uh, but everybody goes to the hurricanbushen when it's open. You know, and it, it, there's a lot of that. Uh, One of the things too here is that when you go into a a restaurant, uh, not necessarily in Vienna, but the countryside, you see someone eating, you say Mahlzeit, which means meal time, And the person answers back, Mahlzeit. And you pass people on the street, you know, you say, Gruß Gott, greet God. They say, Gruß Gott. And when you leave a place, everyone says, Auf Wiedersehen. And you say, Wiederschön. There's a sort of institutional friendliness, if you will, mm. that people – it's not forced, but it's not really thought about either. People just do it. Yeah. Um, so you might say in that way, they're much more social than we are.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I've heard offhand a lot of different things where in Italy or France, when you get a table, it's for the night. You know what I mean? Like they're not trying to push you out. Like you're, you're going to be hanging out there. You know the whole night. That that's the understanding, yeah. right? Um, whereas like with you know you go to Applebee's or something where in a, you know America they're you know trying to push you out and they like we need some turnover here. We need new customers. Um, but um, the the last thing um, he, uh, that I'll say, uh, he makes an interesting point about the suburbs and creating these certain phenomenons. Sort of the isolated suburban housewife, um, you know, trying to "quote unquote" get out. Um, You know, teenagers, you know, trying to, you know, fly the coop. You know, and (laughs) he's pointing to the sort of the the difficulty um, that you know it's not their fault per se. There's just. it, the 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 town is just not structured adequately in a way that's gonna be fulfilling their needs in this sense, you know
1: no um, and and of course uh, there are other things i mean the the fact that children are raised in such an atomized fashion now, yeah, I mean, in my day you'd see, in fact, I was among them, you'd see gangs of children playing in the streets, uh cops and robbers or or war or whatever. Um you know you never dream of seeing that today.
0: Yeah, my dad, you know, obviously he was born in 1930 and he's doing the stickball thing on the streets of New York in in uh well, in Flushing, you know. Um and all sorts of mayhem, sneaking into the world's fair, I guess, and <laughs> all sorts of in 1939 yeah,
1: <laughs> your dad snuck into the World's Fair in
0: 1939. Yes, that's right. Yes, Blushing Meadows. <laughs> that's right. Um, but you know, so if anybody has um, sort of inside information of someone taking a shot at some um, development, some Catholic development, where perhaps you're centering centering around a church and maybe local businesses and trying to do it right, please let us know in comments because I personally am super interested in that. Um, so please share that. Um, absolutely. Um, so, okay. Oh, Also, buy the book on the bookstore if you want to know more about the book. I, th- I think it's like maybe 15, 20 bucks, but tremendous buy. It's um, over 300 pages. The Great Good Place. I'm loving it right now. I'm absolutely loving it. All right. Uh, whew, wow, we've hardly gotten started on this episode. Um, all right. Uh, what do we've got? We've got memes of production. Yeah.
1: Nationalize the memes of production.
0: For the common good. All right. Uh, so, Don from Florida by way of the Bronx says I'm picturing Charles as a time traveler akin to a Yankee in King Arthur's court, but rather eating a a Callahan's hot dog in the corner of Charlemagne's court than eating a a chow mein sandwich in the court of King St. Louis and finally sharing the culinary delights of Aspic with the court of King Henry V. Wow.
1: I am sure that all three courts would have been wildly improved by those additions to their diets.
0: Absolutely.
1: Everybody's um, happy with chow mein sandwiches. Are they, though? You know, I'll bet... Oh, yeah. I'll bet if they serve chow mein sandwiches, a certain prominent Italian restaurant would not have to use leucinogenic mushrooms in their food.
0: All right. Uh, we don't go there, Charles. We don't go there. Um, all right. Uh, all don... Right. don all f- right,
1: I'm just saying. They had, They had... If they had delicious chow mein sandwiches, they would not need hallucinogenic
0: mushrooms in the rigatoni. That's all I'm saying. Which they don't do, anyway. So, no, they don't. Yeah. Who? Why would they? Why would they? Um, yeah. So let's let's satisfy the legal department of Tumblr House, Charles. We we're not. This, we're please? not going to say that certain establishments put drugs in their food to um, enhance them. We're not going to say that.
1: All right. We're not saying that. And we have no proof of it. None. It's highly unlikely it could ever happen. And you heard it here first.
0: <laughs> All right. Don from Florida by Way of the Bronx has more to say. He says, Coco Vin is my favorite French dish. It's also featured in a scene from one of my favorite mafia movies, Donnie Brasco, when Al Pacino's character is making it for Johnny Depp's character on Christmas Day. That being said, like most things, it pales in comparison to the best Italian dishes. Wow. And then Jonathan P., another paisan, uh, jumps in and says, sounds like good old chicken marsala with extra steps and a fancy French name. There I, I said it. And Don replies, indeed. The French complicate things that should be easy, whereas the Italians simplify things once thought complicated. Ooh.
1: That's not always a good thing. <laughs> you don't believe me, look at Mussolini. He eliminated some steps.
0: <laughs> Why wow, is that what we're gonna do? So like anything French, you know, well, you know, it's not always a good thing. Look at Hitler. <laughs> is that what we're gonna do? We're just gonna like Hitler wasn't French. I know, but you're just like I Extracting perhaps like the worst element of a culture and saying, well, you know, it's not always a good thing. Sometimes it turns out like this.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, you start by leaving out the bacon the way they do in chicken marsala. You start by leaving out the lardons, as we would call them, and you end up with Mussolini. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I mean, it would be like making it if you made a, a, a chow mein sandwich and left out the buns. You'd end up with Tse tongue. I, I
0: don't even oh, yeah. know what to say to that. I I don't. I definitely don't want well, to eat Tse tongue. Um, no,
1: I wouldn't want to eat Tse or any <laughs> other kind of tongue, Frank. I'm not really partial. I've eaten tongue. I I, I can do without it. But mouthy tongue. Yeah. I mean, for one thing, how many mice do you have to catch? All right. Um, I mean, their tongues are very small, so to have micey tongue, it would be—I mean, you have to catch a lot of mice.
0: All right. A couple uh, more things. I will. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go over. So, I actually pulled. Do, do
1: we do the state? Of- did we do the, state, Wait, of the, month? It's so the
0: it's, state of the week? it's coming it's coming it's coming just okay. a couple more things right. um i did a poll i polled everybody and, and asked does the holy roman empire still exist albeit in a th- an ethereal form and amazingly 65% said yes awaiting its renewal and only 35% said no stop larping Um, So that's I thought we were going to get crushed on that one. Are you surprised, Charles, that 65 percent of people are awaiting the renewal of the Holy Roman Empire, at least on Catholic Twitter?
1: I'm not surprised at all. And for your poor 35 percent, who's LARPing now? No. I mean, if majorities are anything to go by. But Uh, that's only in politics, not cuisine.
0: One other thing I'll I'll skip, I'll go over very briefly to um, sort of uh, not be too harsh on you, Charles. I simply asked uh, yesterday what type of food is better. And right now, 81% say Italian food, Twenty 19% say French food. Um, so it's kind of um, – kind of eliminates- I guess a lot of people can't
1: – a lot of people – no, as I say, it doesn't go to cuisine. Plus, a lot of people can't afford French food. And their idea of Italian food might be, uh, you know, boiled uh, dry spaghetti with ragu spaghetti sauce.
0: Yeah, Sasha. Know any
1: better? I mean, it's like people who go to Olive Garden and think it's Italian.
0: Yeah, Sasha says. I guess eighty percent of people never had a chance to try French food. Food. Laugh out loud. Um, okay, there so I go. guess that's your position. Um, I agree. <sighs> I, have you ever had? The, have you been to the Olive Garden? No, but you know I kind of like Christus Vinci. You no, know, your brother won't go. Uh, I like Christus Christus Vinci's uh, response. He says, "Ask your average American to name a single French food besides a baguette. That should answer your question."
1: Well, we know that most Americans that are ignorant about most things. That's not a shock. They don't know their own history or geography. How could you expect to know anything
0: French? Look at Charles. The, yeah, in the yeah. words of your father, yeah. the the <laughs> the cream floats to the top. Yeah. Okay. The best of the best goes to the didn't top. Say the cream. That the scum <laughs> floats to the top. It says life is
1: like soup. Scum rises to the top. <laughs>
0: I didn't interpret it that way.
1: (laughs) Oh, you tried to reinterpret it. Oh, I like that. No, he said life is like soup. Scum rises to the top.
0: All right. Well, anyhow. um... So
1: so you've got non-scummy people who can't afford to. Is that what you're saying? That if you can afford French food, you're scum? That's nice. Ted would not
0: have tell you. All right. Well, anyhow, the, was French. Po- the poll is still active. It's still active for a whole nother day. Um, for you patrons who are getting this early, feel free to vote, especially you French ones, because uh, you guys really need the help on this one. So um, well,
1: Indeed. And those of you who haven't had French food before you vote, rush out, find yourself a decent French restaurant, and prepare for a little bit of heaven on earth. Or if you can't do that, if you if you're – you know, you you're, you can't afford it. That's a fi- that's fine. Or you live in one of the mo- innumerable communities where so there are no French restaurants. Not to worry, there are still a lot of Julia Child episodes on tell on uh, the computer, uh, like the um, uh, Tom uh, not House the um, YouTube. You can find a whole lot of her, and you know she makes French food sound delectable, even if you've got nothing to eat.
0: Yes, she does. Save the liver. I don't eat liver.
1: No, no, but you should save it.
0: I, I That's will. That's what
1: she said when when Dan Aykroyd was portraying her and cuts himself up and is bleeding out. He shrieks, "Save the liver!" She actually enjoyed that that skit, you know, of Dan Aykroyd imitating her, and she would show it to friends. All right. Very good. Try to know any more trivia about her? She was from Pasadena originally.
0: No, let us move to the state of the week.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we don't talk about Pasadena?
0: No. All right, right, state of the week is Arkansas. Are you sure we haven't done Arkansas? I have an Excel sheet, and Arkansas was not on it. Okay, well,
1: I have only spent a short amount of time in Arkansas, mostly driving across, but don't let that stop you. I can tell you a few things about Arkansas. One is that the state capitol is Little Rock, home of Lorelei Lee and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Just two little girls from Little Rock. It is, it is, I say, the state capitol. The, the state capitol building is lovely. The Catholic Cathedral is beautiful. Even the Episcopal Cathedral is worth seeing. And the State Museum is there. But to me, the the three most interesting places in Arkansas are, well, all right, the four. There's Town, which was settled by Italians and has a beautiful church. Subiaco, which was settled by Catholic Germans and has a Benedictine monastery arkansas post which is a state park but it's the location of the oldest uh french settlement in arkansas and lastly but not leastly the, the oldest and most venerable town that's a real town in arkansas pine bluff which has a beautiful catholic church and bits and pieces and remnants of its french and spanish colonial history uh there's also of course the um uh bill clinton library which you can stop by i think you've got to get uh if you go there you've got to get some uh shots afterwards
0: like shots no shot. shots shots <laughs> okay
1: you don't know what you might pick up there so you know yeah, It is Bill Clinton, but it's, the Ozarks are beautiful. There's a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing. Uh, it's, it's an interesting place. Uh, one of my very best friends in all the world comes from a little town in northeastern Arkansas called Marktree, M-A-R-K-E-D, Marktree, T-R-E-E, spelled Marktree, uh, near the bustling metropoli of Lepanto and Tyranza.
0: Hmm. All
1: right. You sound unimpressed.
0: I, I I'm impressed. I'm sorry, my I mean, I've always wanted to visit Arkansas.
1: You don't like Tyranza. You're projecting. You're, I do you, like Tyranza.
0: <sighs> Alright. If if you're done, if if you're just inserting filler because you have nothing left to say about Arkansas then don't put that on me.
1: There is one more thing I can say about Arkansas. What? And that is that my friend from Arktree tortured me for years with the so-called secret of Arkansas. Okay. And he would never tell me what it was. So finally, one day, I got him to break down and tell me. He said, okay, I'll tell you. Draw a map of Arkansas. So I drew an outline map of Arkansas. He says, now tilt it. This was on the phone. I tilted it. It said, don't that look like an arrowhead?
0: Does it? What? Okay. Yeah, it does. If you
1: draw a map of Arkansas and you tilt it, it looks like an arrowhead. Hmm. Wow. That's the secret of Arkansas, which you now know.
0: Okay, I guess I can see that. Yeah, because it's... Tortured me with that for years. All right.
1: Um, you think I deserved it, don't you?
0: I feel a little reciprocity uh, couldn't hurt.
1: Reciprocity? Yeah. You mean being tortured like this for years was a, re- a re- reciprocity for what?
0: No, not being tortured. Being helped. Increasing your curiosity. Oh. Um. This this kind of stuff builds character. You sound vaguely like
1: someone I know. But I can't <laughs> put my figure out who. It's obviously, some annoying person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a bullseye. <laughs> it's obviously,
1: somebody who really, really would drive one up a wall.
0: Uh. Yep. I'll say. All right. Um. Pieces of eight. Pieces of eight. Ah!
1: That was Long John Silver's parrot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Feel better? Yeah, I, I do feel better. I really like Long John and parrot. And I, I don't know why they haven't done a Long John Silver sort of like Treasure Island remake um, or something. Uh, th- that character is so epic. It sort, of, it sort of got lost in the sands of time somehow.
1: Is Euro is Eurocentric? I guess so. They'd have to make him a gay person of color.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad they haven't remade him because it would suck. But it's just surprising in this age of remaking everything that they haven't done that. Well,
1: then it would be too hard to put pirates through. Uh, it would be too hard to put pirates through the veil of Wokery. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna say? They 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 were oppressed people who were who were lashing out at the man? Yeah. That that's just not gonna work.
0: Well they're Even still for woke. They, I mean, they're still doing the Pirates of the Caribbean, they're finding a way to I mean I don't know. Anyhow. Um, all right. Before the questions, I'm gonna to have to I'm obligated to do another um channel identification. Um off the menus Let's now being broadcast and podcast on the Crusade channel, talk radio the way it should be at crusadechannel.com. All right. What's that? crusadechannel.com. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh qu- All right. Question from April. Um, who says, "See, we do de- uh we do get to decorate for Lent. Boxwood is evergreen, a subdued but pleasant-looking shrub." And I really enjoy the smell, although others don't. Did anyone else see the Catholic mom accounts hating on Lent decorations on Twitter? I'm not suggesting we raise up felt banners or whatnot. But some greenery that is nice but modest or some bare grapevine wreaths that remind one of the crown of thorns. I see nothing wrong with it. Charles?
1: Well, again, you know, I have to resort To uh, Herrick, Robert Herrick, uh, and his Ceremonies upon Candlemas Eve, uh, who speaks about box. Uh, It says, um, this is Ceremonies for Candlemas Eve, Robert Herrick. Down with the rosemary and bays, down with the mistletoe. Instead of holly, now upraise the greener box for show. The holly hitherto did sway, let box now domineer, until the dancing Easter day or Easter eaves appear. Then youthful box, which now hath grace, your houses to renew, grown old, surrender must its place unto the crisped yew. When yew is out, then birch comes in, and many flowers beside, both of a fresh and fragrant kin to honor Whitsuntide, say in the summer. Green rushes, then, and sweetest bents with cooler oaken bows come in for comely ornaments to re-adorn the house. Thus times do shift, each thing his turn does hold. New things succeed as former things grow old. So box was a preferred decoration in the 17th century and before for Lent. Uh, And you're right, some people don't like the smell. Queen Anne didn't like it. She had the hedges taken down at... Uh, Hampton Court Palace because she didn't like the smell. But some people do, some people don't. And we have a saying in Latin, "De disputandum." In matters of taste, there is no dispute. So, if you can convince the people around you that they like the smell of box, then by all means, decorate your house with it. And then you can use Herrick as a guide with what to replace it with, you and then birch, etc. as the, uh, the
0: spring and the summer Progress. Hmm. Do you do any Lenten decorations? Do you have any preferences? Do you have any recommendations in this area,
1: other than box? Uh, not really. I mean, you could put up purple felt banners if you liked. Uh, I don't. Uh, hmm. I don't. I don't really do much of anything uh, except, as I say, back back home. If I could get a small box of box, ha ha ha. I would uh, I would use that. Um, but box was seen as being particularly, because of its odor, uh, was seen as being particularly appropriate for Lent. Hmm. Some people like it, some people don't. And those who didn't like it took it as a penance. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. A question from Michael who says, greeting Don Vincenzo and your conciliary Charles Chucky cool Coulomb. Ooh. I'm currently reading Blessed Charles of Austria. Five chapters in, and I think it's great. The first two chapters read like a condensed history of Europe. Available on Tumblr House uh, Bookstore. I think it's 27 bucks, Hardcover. Amazing book. I read it myself. Um, oh, highly recommend. I wrote it. I feel good about myself. It's inspiring a lot Somebody of people. Can. It's inspiring. Don't miss out. Be the first on your block. All right uh, so but Michael says I have a question regarding the Italian monarchy in the 1946 referendum, the areas in strongest opposition to the Republic was the Mezzogiorno, southern Italy. The most pro-republican area was the north. This is in spite of the House of Savoy being northern Italian and the two Sicilies being the last of the old Italian states to fall to Garibaldi. Are there any other examples where a region or group of people who were once the adversaries of a royal house later became its most ardent supporters?
1: Well, one that jumps out at me are the Scottish Highlanders who settled, they were Jacobites, and then they were sent to North Carolina to settle the frontier, and they became ardent advocates of King George III and were loyalists in the revolution. So that kind of jumps out at me. Um, It's interesting also that in addition to the former kingdom of the two Sicilies, Piemonte, which had been the center of the House of Savoy in the north, also voted for them. Uh, The votes of the rest of the country were somewhat assisted. Helped.
0: Wait, what are you saying?
1: It was a rigged uh, rigged plebiscite. But at least it was done with the help of the American occupation authorities, so I guess it was okay.
0: Have um, Has anyone publicly admitted that?
1: No, but it's pretty well known. People who were there at the time
0: have reported
1: it. The various things, uh, what's his name? Gare it was uh, with the British Occupation Army. Uh, Gare and Gare was his surname. Let me see. Uh, was it Robert Gare? Uh, yeah, it was Robert Gare. He, um, he served with the British Expeditionary Force in France in 1939, uh, He was advisor to the Allied military government of Italy, based in Palermo, uh, where he fought for the exclusion of left-wing textbooks and communist influence of the Italian education system. Uh, He was thereafter director to the Allied Control Commission for Italy, based in Naples, the Chief of Education, Religious Affairs, German Planning Unit, Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force. Uh, He... um, he wrote uh, Italy in Transition: Extracts of the Private Journal of G.R. Guerre," and he also wrote. He wrote a book on uh, on the House of Savoy and um, the fall, the the defeat in the election, which I read years ago. And he uh, comes up with some pretty damning evidence,
0: actually. All right. Um, are we free to move on?
1: Well, you know, freedom is such an abstract thing. I mean, what do we really mean by it anyway? I'm just asking. Mm, that's interesting.
0: That's interesting.
1: See, freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. You're going to pay the price. You're going to sacrifice for your liberty.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, All right. So Michael says, finally, I greatly appreciate your prayers for reconciliation between my ex-girlfriend and I. Valentine's Day is soon upon us, and I will be going forward with another set of armor. Thanks to you. Hmm great to hear michael oh, good luck Welcome. Yeah. yeah good luck good luck all right question from patrick who says greetings to the eminent don vincenzo and the eloquent charles coulomb the question regarding the anglican ordinariate it is obviously a very good thing that so many of these former anglicans are back in communion with the true church and i'm glad they are able to do so while retaining the sense of their liturgical heritage. However, being familiar with the liturgical reforms of Archbishop Cranmer in England, not too dissimilar from the frog in boiling water strategy used by the liturgical modernists in the Roman Rite to gradually erode the Latin Mass beginning even before Vatican II, I am wondering if Mr. Coulomb, uh, being that he is familiar with this group, does he believe that there will be some sort of move back in the direction of the liturgies As they existed in England prior to the reforms of Cranmer, perhaps with the reintroduction of the Trinitine Mass and various serum usages. Is this something people discuss in ordinariate circles? Judging by my name, I'm sure you can tell uh, I'm not one of them myself. Uh, Well, his... Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, despite being a cradle Catholic, I am one of the very few cradle Catholic members of the Ordinariate. So, yeah, I do know a thing or two about them. Uh, The question of reviving the Sarum Rite is something that people do talk about quite a bit. But uh, obviously, in this pontificate, it's not something that's going to happen. We'll see what the future holds.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Right now, it's a question of just trying to get the word out, as it were. Interestingly enough, the Ordinariate's version of the Mass includes a very strong offertory, which you may remember was one of the criticisms uh, that the then Cardinal Ratzinger had of the new Mass, was mm-hmm. that they'd gotten rid of a decent offertory. Uh,
0: so, what about um, do you believe that there will be some sort of move, uh, move back to the direction of the liturgies as existed prior to the reforms of Cranmer?
1: I think that if we, uh, if we get – if the Holy See becomes really interested in evangelization, especially the Anglosphere, then I would think that something along those lines will probably happen.
0: So uh, I don't understand the nature of how these other rights change. And the approval process for that. For example, if they wanted to change the Byzantine rite at all or tweak it, does that have to go through the Vatican or something? And same with the ordinariates. What's the hierarchy here?
1: Well, they're they're different. The ordinariates are part of the Latin rite. So they have to go through the uh, dicastria, divine worship, whatever it's called now. Uh, But with the Byzantines, and as with the other sui juris churches, as we say, the Maronites, the Melkites, and so forth. They all have to go through the Congregation for Eastern Churches, or the Dicastery for Eastern Churches now.
0: Okay. So what's a Dicastery? It's all all
1: of the offices, congregations, commissions, et cetera, have all been renamed Dicasteries. So it's a uh, Department of the Curia.
0: I see. Right. Uh, right. What did you say? Grinder. We, we we don't do that here. That's we'll we'll leave. Well, actually, I guess you're on that continent where all that that grinder stuff is happening. But here in America, we we <laughs> keep it. You can't say that with a straight <laughs> face. Don't I'm don't sorry. don't kid, it, kid it. a <laughs>
1: don't kid <laughs> a kidder. kidder.
0: <laughs>
1: oh man. However, to the best of my knowledge, despite all the changes in the Holy See, Grinder has not been given an official position. There's not a grinder
0: dicastery or anything like that. That good. Good. Um Is that reassuring? Very uh well, I don't I don't know. I just don't know anymore. All right. Um,
1: five grinder accounts in the Vatican. I'm not saying that's bad, I don't judge.
0: All right. A question from Angela who says, uh, dear dear Vincent and Charles, (laughs) thanks for all the fun and merriment over the last couple of weeks. If Charles, we do our best, yeah. If Charles needs a break from fluffy bunnies, he can always check out Cottagecore Cat, which features art and merchandise depicting cute kittens sitting under mushrooms or frolicking in meadows.
1: Hmm. That sounds about my speed these days. You know, things are so cray cray. I think actually I'd fro- flock under the mushrooms with them unless they were in somebody's What well, What are
0: you trying to say? Well, you know, sometimes
1: kittens play under mushrooms that are somehow gigantic. And, well, that kind of mushroom sometimes ends up in rigatoni. Oh, okay. And then it's hallucinogenic. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with hallucinogenic mushrooms in rigatoni. Not that any business we know would ever do that. In fact, I find it extremely unlikely that any restaurant, either you or I frequent, put Postbiogenic mushrooms into their rigatoni
0: or any other dish. I wonder what would happen.
1: Cream of mushroom soup. You,
0: you know what you should do. I feel like that this is almost a Charles tactic, where you know how you like to play with people and and make them like just have this awkward, <laughs> candid camera look on their face and just want to curl up in a what, ball. What, I don't understand what you're saying. I- I can totally see you going to an Italian restaurant and straight up point Blake asking uh for the special mushrooms on on your rigatoni. <laughs> you you know and what I mean? I can no, see specials. I can see the, and I can see the waitress's discomfort and just like I don't know what to say to this crazy man. <laughs> Well, you know, you'd, you'd have to be careful the way you did it though.
1: You would have to be like, uh, "Ma'am, uh, I'd like rigatoni with the the mushrooms, but could I have the, you know, the, the, the special mushrooms." "What sir?" "You know, the, the ones you don't usually serve, the, the special ones. You know, the ones that help." "What what what are you talking about, sir?" "Well, you know, a lot of everyone knows that this is the place to come if you want to have some you know, magical mushrooms in your rigatoni. That's uh, if you could serve me those. That uh, uh, not 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 the not the little brown ones from the can. You know the ones. I mean, those. I want those.
0: She. I think it, she'd appreciate it. She. I, I can see it exactly because I've seen these reactions where it's like, well, there's nowhere to go, so I have to kind of do this really fake nervous laugh and kind of brush you off. But then the whole it, the whole encounter feels super awkward, <laughs> ladies and we gentlemen. The, I the, oh my. Ugh.
1: The best part is when the rigatoni comes. I take a bite. Oh, ma'am, this is exactly right. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've never realized how beautiful this restaurant is before. It's just lovely. It shimmers the walls have gills I think I think that would they, that would impress her a lot
0: All right um anyway You
1: don't believe in impressing the help? Oh, I see. So the help sense. should be condemned to boring lives of nothing going on. That's what you're saying.
0: The help are there to serve us. We aren't there to impress the help. You've got things backwards.
1: For they to entertain them. Where, surely.
0: where the I'm the I'm the ruler. I'm the owner. You're just you just do my bidding, servant. Oh, you think so? Yeah.
1: I would check my rigatoni for <laughs> mushrooms. Why were <would> you? <laughs> there are ways to resist that kind of dominance.
0: Uh, well, that's that's very true. I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See, gotta be careful. Don't annoy the wrong people, or you'll you'll find yourself spazzing out over your rigatoni. <laughs> you know, convinced convinced the place you're shivering. Walls have gills. Have you ever heard anything about the same?
0: It's ridiculous. Sounds like something that came out of the sixties. What? <laughs> walls with gills? <laughs> yeah. Some some sort of imagery. That imagery. I,
1: Well, I I, I have to admit, uh, it probably did. But I mean, think, if you will, imagine, if you will, black light posters illuminated by lava lamps.
0: Okay. Okay?
1: Yeah, yes. And and you're eating rigatoni (laughs) with mushrooms. Okay, and you find yourself wondering how you got into this position, anyway. <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> for sure. Thing, for one thing,
1: in 2023, who puts blacklight posters on their walls?
0: That's true.
1: Oh, wait a minute! You're going to tell me there's there's an aesthetic?
0: All right, Charles, we have to move on. You're dragging your feet. Angela's been waiting there, for is, her question to ask, um, and you're right, being disrespectful. I,
1: just answer me one question: Is right. there black light core? N-
0: no, absolutely not. There is no black light core. That's this is not an aesthetic that's on TikTok or something. <laughs> no, it's it's not an aesthetic that's on TikTok or this music video television or. All these newfangled things. Are we sure? <laughs> I'm sure. All Trump. right. Uh, all if right. If you tell me there's
1: no black light core, I believe you.
0: All right. There's no black light. But if gore. any of
1: our, if any of our viewers or listeners are aware of this aesthetic, see, this is where I'm trying to get us ahead of the curve. We were we were blindsided by dark academia. That's true. So what if we what if we turn it around on What if we predict the rise of blacklight core? Yeah, and if you're not into blacklight core, you're just not hip. You're not what's happening. You're not what's now. You're not what's, you know, cutting edge. What's next wave? What's outside the envelope? Blacklight core. Think about it.
0: Charles, I I just don't have, you know, I feel like I have a lot of self-confidence, but I don't have enough self-confidence to be able to turn something from cringe into cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever do, you will own the world. You will, you will have the whole bloody planet in, this, in the palm of your hand. And in the name of International Solidarity Day, you'll be able to make them all go into, into Blacklight core at your bidding. You'll have total control. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to this. See, this is what you were being groomed for, was control of the world's aesthetic. This, this is, you know, the man and the moment may have met. You 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 could have right now, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, uh, not Tumblr. What's the other one? Um,
0: yeah, there are a lot of yeah, these. It's kind of dying uh, out though. But... Of yeah, Tumblr what's that? or uh, T U M B L R. I but That's I thought one, it was Tumblr? dying out.
1: Yeah. Well, whatever. Even uh, MySpace, you can control them all with with this new aesthetic you've invented.
0: All right. That, I mean, th- that's court. honestly true, right? Like if you can turn cringe into cool, you can do anything. Like the world is your yeah. oyster. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And you can crack it open and pull out the pearl. And then slurp it down <laughs> off the half shell. I'm telling you. All right. Um, you, know, you 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 got gold here. Lifestyle gold. <laughs> you know, the aftermath of the COVID lockdown may end up being your your pathway to happiness.
0: Could be. All oh, right. You never know. As fun as that is, let us move on to Angela's question. She says, right. um, Charles, if you'd be so kind as to respond... Uh, her first question, what was char what has Charles been hiding from us about the Vatican secret archives? When was he going to tell us about Leo X's elephant?
1: What? Never. My lips were sealed. I wasn't saying nothing about Leo Xs uh, elephant, and the whole point of secret archives is the' secret.
0: So Leo the had an elephant. I don't understand. It was a gift.
1: It was a gift. Charlemagne had an elephant. It was also a gift. I mean, Eastern potentates who were attempting to impress the Westerners would often send them, well, elephants. Uh, usually these are the elephants of the room. Get it? The elephants of the room. Anyway, its name was Hano, and it was given by the King of Portugal to Leo X. It was you Remember the Portuguese in the fifteen hundreds were going down the west coast of Africa, and they went all the way to India, so I forget if it was Africa or India, but in one of those places uh the Portuguese got an elephant, they brought it back to the king, and the king uh sent it to Leo X as a gift.
0: Wow, that's a pretty cool factoid are there any is there anything else in the Vatican secret archives that is worth lots noting? of
1: stuff? Lots of stuff, but it's all a secret.
0: Oh, okay
1: actually the uh, that's not really true. You can go to the website of the Vatican Secret Archives and find out precisely what they have and except for stuff that's been generated in the past fifty years,
0: it's all open really what, what are, you, yeah. are do you are you are you joking No Vatican no. Secret Archives
1: com. Let me see if I can get you the address. Um, it's actually quite a fascinating site.
0: Um,
1: let me see.
0: The Papal Archives, the the Vatican Secret, the Vatican Apostolic Archive.
1: That's the one, formerly known as the Vatican Secret Archive, L'Archivio dei Papi. And it's, uh, you can get the English version and the archives. It's really amazing stuff. They, they've got a great, uh, they really have a great uh, website. And I can't recommend it, uh, I can't recommend it to you more highly.
0: It's interesting. So Pope Francis. Uh- Announced that materials relating to Pope Pius XII would be open on March 2020, uh, March 2nd, 2020, stating that Pius's legacy had been debated and even criticized, but the church is not afraid of history. Hmm. No. Yeah, so that's, that's good. Cool. It seems like there's a lot no. to dive into there.
1: But anyhow, it's it's a wonderful website. So now you know.
0: Yeah, thank you. All right, final question for today Um, from Angela. She says, What can Charles tell us about the mysterious, elusive sacramental known as the Agnus Day? Has he ever seen one? Or does he know of anyone alive today who owns one?
1: I have, I've seen one. Uh, they were little, they're blessed, I think, on the Feast of St. Agnes. Let me make sure I know what I'm talking about. Uh, They used to be blessed at at intervals, but it's been a while, I think, since any pope has made them. They were made of wax, and they bore, uh, the the sheep and flag, the lamb and flag, the the, um, it's,
0: it's a, what did you say it was? A pin?
1: No, it was a, a sort of a, a circlet of wax, a little wax thing. And it was a, um, it's a disc, you know, about yay big. Um, but, uh, hmm. The, the, uh, it used to be done on. Um, it used to be done at intervals by a pope, uh, and let me see. Yeah, it was only during the first year of the pontificate, and again every seven years, but I don't think that they've been done since uh, Paul the Sixth. Um, it used to be, I mean, when uh, Elizabeth made it illegal to own them Hmm. and uh, they would be, uh, let me see, yeah, it says uh, on Holy Saturday the Pope with the assistance of the Archdeacon of Rome prepared the wax of the previous year's Paschal Candles. It consecrated on the Wednesday of Easter week and distributed on Saturday of the same week. In more recent times, the, water, the wax was prepared by monks, dipped in water mixed with chrism after being formed and then consecrated by the Pope and distributed. But it was done in the, um, it was done in the first year of a, of the Episcopate, uh, of, the, of the papacy, and then every seven years after. Uh, Well, they uh, they foster piety, banish tepidity, preserve from vice and dispose to virtue. They counsel venial sins, purify from the stain left by grievous sin after it has been remitted in the sacrament of penance. They banish evil spirits, deliver from temptation, and preserve from eternal ruin. They are protection from a sudden and unprovided death. They dispel fears occasioned by evil spirits. They are protection in combat and have power to ensure victory. They deliver from poison and from the snares of the wicked. They are excellent preventatives against sickness and also an efficacious remedy, especially in cases of epilepsy. They hinder the ravages of pestilence, of epidemics, and infectious diseases. They quiet the winds, dissipate hurricanes, calm war winds, and keep away tempests. They save from shipwreck and the danger of lightning and floods. Um, so it. Uh, they're very, very rare now.
0: Wow. it's interesting. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Off the Menu. Charles and I will see you here on YouTube next week and all week long on our radio broadcasting and podcasting partners, the Crusade Channel Talk Radio the Way It Should Be at crusadechannel.com. Yeah, um,
1: but you know what Crusade Channel doesn't have? What? Blacklight core.
0: Or hallucinogenic mushrooms. Mushrooms? No. Yeah.
1: You know, if if you are going to have hallucinogenic uh, mushrooms, which I very much urge you not to, uh, look at them under blacklight, uh, blacklight posters with um, lava lamps. But don't no. use don't use them. Don't use them. Especially don't use them in rigatoni it spoils the
0: flavor. I bet. All right, Charles. Um I, wait, I have a question for you. What is it if it's Monday?
1: Mm, don't help me. It's off the menu. What about the soul you save? It may very well be your own. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Take care. Happy uh, International Solidarity Day and Lincoln's vote, then.